Trading at Schwab is now powered by Ameritrade, unlocking the power of Thinkorswim, the award-winning trading platforms loaded with features that let you dive deeper into the market. Visualize your trades in a new light on Thinkorswim Desktop with robust charting and analysis tools, all while you uncover new opportunities with up-to-the-minute market news and insights. Thinkorswim is available on desktop, web, and mobile to meet you where you are. It's built by the trading obsessed to help you trade brilliantly. Learn more at schwab.com slash trading. Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast In Trust on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks are fluctuating near records, held down by a rout in energy producers. After crude oil moved below $40 a barrel, West Texas Intermediate is trading down 3.6%, down $1.48, $40.12 right now on WTI. Gold up two tenths of one percent, picking up two sixty the ounce to thirteen fifty five. The ten year down eleven thirty seconds. The yield there one point four nine percent. Nasdaq up twenty one points fifty one eighty four, a gain of four tenths of one percent. S and P five hundred index down three to twenty one seventy, a drop there of two tenths of one percent. Dow Industrials down thirty six, a drop there also of two tenths of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. In China, the Shanghai Composite closed down about eight-tenths of a percent. And in China, the official manufacturing purchasing managers index, the PMI, attracts the health of large and state-owned enterprises, came in at 49.9. That compares to 50. That was logged in June. Here to tell us more about investing in China is Brendan Ahern. He is the chief investment officer for Crane Shares, and he brought along his WeChat and his Didi. So he's here to tell us everything. Brendan, thanks for coming in. Let's start off with the bigger picture and the PMI report from China. What's that signaling to you? Well, China is certainly affected by tepid global growth. Their export-driven manufacturing is going to be affected by weak demand, both here in the United States as well as here in Europe. So I think uh, it's not overly surprising that, uh, to your point, uh, the official uh, from National Bureau of Statistics PMI was a little light. Uh, at the same time, we did have the Shai Shin PMI, which 
covers more small, medium enterprises, actually increased month over month, as well as I think for us as investors, what we really want to focus on is non-manufacturing PMI, which actually increased in the month of July. Now, why do you want to focus on the non-manufacturing? Is I mean, is, is China already so much like the United States where manufacturing is such a small part? Don't a lot of Chinese people still work in factories? Well, 40% of GDP in 2015 came from the industrial sector, Kathleen. At the same time, 50% of 2015 GDP came from the service sector. So there's a lot of talk about China rebalancing. Our opinion is that a healthy part of the economy has rebalanced. And while part of China's economy faces tepid global growth, domestic consumption is doing quite well. And we as investors want to want to position ourselves in that in that sweet spot of the Chinese economy. How do you invest in Chinese technology companies when it's impossible to really know as an amateur uh, what is accurate, what's not accurate, and how to suss out the details from their annual reports. Yeah, I mean, certainly uh, standards in both Shanghai and Shenzhen, the two onshore markets, are catching up to where we are here in the West. At the same time, Hong Kong, as well as U.S.-listed Chinese companies, have to adhere to U.S. GAAP standards. They have to adhere to U.S. exchange listing standards. They're audited by the big four U.S. accounting firms. So we love the Internet and e-commerce companies listed both in Hong Kong as well as here on the New York and NASDAQ exchanges. I want to follow on this because I don't think it's just people. I don't think it's just, you know, the amateurs who have a tough time making sure they get a good view of uh, China's books and what their companies are really doing. You're saying then that you trust the information they give to those international auditors, the international auditors actually go inside the companies? Because there's been some high-profile short sellers, as you know, mm-hmm. activists who have gone after some of the big yes. Chinese companies. That is true. And, and I think this broader trend about domestic consumption in China, we would say even look at U.S. listed companies geared to the Chinese consumer, Nike, McDonald's, uh, Apple, um, who's, uh, who else has done very well recently? I think, I think Nike's been a, been a big, big standout. Starbucks going from 2,500 to 5,000 stores over the next few years in China. Uh, you see it in the U.S. companies doing business there. We like holding the, uh, the Chinese companies themselves just for the reasons that, uh, Uber China had a little bit of a struggle as a foreign company operating in China. Tell us a little bit about K-Web. This is the Crane Shares uh, Technology ETF. Largest holding there is Tencent, followed by Alibaba, Baidu, and JD.com. Uh, this is really a fund geared to the uh, domestic consumption trend, which increasingly takes place online. In China, your smartphones, your primary source of entertainment, while retail sales went up just about 11 percent in 2015, online retail sales went up over 30 percent. So not only in China are you using your cell phone for, for WeChat, the Facebook of China, for using Didi to order a taxi cab, but you're actually buying things as well. Now, in particular with this uh, deal where Didi uh, ends up buying a chunk of Uber, Uber retains about 20% mm-hmm. of its company, a bruising battle. You can read all the, the phrases about how Uber just couldn't quite get it done. Was this a fair fight or was Didi favored? Because as a Chinese company, talk to any, almost any U.S. company who's tried to do business in China and they talk about how it is not a level playing field. Going alone for any Western company in China where you're trying to displace a local company that employs employs tens of thousands of locals is going to be very difficult. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had Walmart.com 
threw in the towel, partnered with JD.com. Uh, we've seen Dove, uh, uh, part of Unilever, uh, tried to go into China alone, really struggled. Now now Dove, as part of Alibaba's Tabo and Tmall uh, e-commerce platforms, is doing very well. So so where Didi had a very, very strong advantage is, one, uh, the founder, she comes from uh, the uh, chairman of Lenovo, is her father. Uh, one big f- uh, part of, of Didi's success was uh, in order to do an expense report in China, if you're an employee, Fa Piao is getting an official receipt that you can use to basically show that you paid for something. Uber China never was able to get that. So it put them to a big disadvantage in terms of getting corporate clients in China. Now, you brought your WeChat already loaded on your mobile. And I'm wondering if you could tell people how does WeChat manage or organize or help you organize your life? It's more than just a Facebook and it allows us to communicate uh, friends, family, business partners in China. I'm able to, like a PayPal, to pay for goods and services. It's like an auto pay at my bank account where I can pay my utility bills. Um, I'm able to buy mutual funds. Um, I can literally move money into a money market fund out of my bank account via via WeChat. There's so much more to this fintech that's actually uh, – when I, I just got back from China about three weeks ago, people made fun of me for carrying a wallet. They said, that's so Western of you to have a wallet. And, and, and I, I do have a giant George Costanza-like wallet. Uh, at the same time, I was deemed an old person because I actually had physical cash. Everything is being done on your smartphone, QR codes. I can pay for Starbucks in China. But you can do that here in the United States? I, not off on – I don't think on one company's application. I don't think you can come close to doing what eChat or what WeChat provides today. And if the WeChat is another one of these Chinese companies, it basically got the implicit backing of the government and there's so much interplay between people who are powerful in government now and whose kids started companies, et cetera, et cetera. You're sort of buying into this whole Chinese model of, uh, you know, if you're the dominant company, you're going to be supported. Not real true competition like we understand in the United States. I think there's instances where certainly uh, Badu, Alibaba, and Tencent are very, very fierce rivals. A lot of what we're speaking about with with WeChat is available on both Badu as well as uh, Alibaba. So, so they do compete very, very fiercely. It's very difficult for smaller players to compete against these. Big Could folks. Badu compete with Facebook? No. Not today. Not here in the U.S. And WeChat, just to give you the detail, has over a billion accounts and 700 million active users in China. They've got 70 more million outside of China who are also using WeChat. So is WeChat going to be a global business, do you think? Well, I, I think, Pim, first force is um, – only half a Chinese population has access to the internet today. That's an internet. Utility. So that's an opportunity, right? So it's going to go into the rural areas. Uh, the tier one cities have a high utilization rate, but tier three, tier four cities, it's a very low internet penetration rate. Uh, China just passed fifty percent. The U.S. passed the fifty percent utilization rate in two thousand two. Uh, so it shows the upside to these companies. At the same time, a Tencent did just buy Supercell, the Finnish game maker. That's the provider of uh, the Clash of Clans. And Tencent is the creator of WeChat. Correct. Correct. Um, Tencent's founders were really in online gaming and, and got into social media like Facebook. Um, at the same time, they just – by buying Clash of Clans, they have 25 million global users outside of China. So they just pil- picked up a healthy footprint for going global. 
In terms of your ETF, what uh, what can we expect? How's it done over the past few years? I'm thinking you're wetting a lot of people's appetite for some kind of investment vehicle in China. What takes advantage of some of these big names you just uh, mentioned? Well, Kathleen, I think people would be surprised that uh, today's actually the three-year anniversary of, of K-Web being listed on the NASDAQ exchange. We've actually beaten the S&P 500. Uh, solely holding Chinese companies. Um, at the same time, we're beating the largest uh, China ETF by about uh, 25, 2,600 basis points. So it's really about orientating ourselves to this domestic consumption trend. That's the sweet spot of China that we want to hold. Export-driven manufacturing will come back, but, but but probably not in the short term. As a matter of fact, I was just looking on my Bloomberg at uh, China retail sales. You can go to your eco page, browse for China, get right to those retail sales numbers coming up next week. They were as hot as 13%. Now they're down to about 10%. Still a, a very impressive number. Brendan O'Hearn, thanks so much for joining us. Chief Investment Officer at Crane Chairs joining us right here in our New York studio. Kathleen Hayes along with Pim Fox. This is Bloomberg. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.